Hello and welcome to another episode of Alec Mappa, Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, Psychotherapist. I'm Alec Mappa. I'm an actor, comedian, and I live in Hollywood. And I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a psychotherapist with two masters from Columbia University. Uh, really? Well, I can eat a whole can of Pringles by myself. <laughs> Matthew, to me, everything is a single serving. I eat my feelings and they're delicious. I can't stop. <laughs> but you're doing good. Don't worry about it. You're always working through it anyway. And you know, mental health takes diligence and hard work, but we're going to zero in on some of our biggest fears, anxieties, issues, and we're going to talk about some coping solutions and strategies, because let's face it, underneath it all, everyone, everyone is, a is a hot, hot mess. <laughs> we're getting so good at that. We have a great guest today. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, Dondre Whitfield is with us today. He's written this uh, amazing book uh, that we're going to talk about. It is called, oh, get this book title. Here we go. Uh, Male versus man, how to honor women, teach children, and elevate men to change the world. So today's topic is masculinity. masculinity. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) All right, masculinity. This is is something that I think- what? I mean, you know, two gay guys talking about masculinity. Yeah, we're going we're like, to really drive this one home, okay? So, yeah. All right. Yeah, but I think uh, I think probably gay calculus. the biggest uh, kind of most important distinction to make is between what it means to be a man or what man means and what masculinity mm-hmm. means. Man. Yeah, that's what this book is about. Yeah. Book posits okay, that. listen. So if we're talking about like um, what it means to be male, that's just kind of mm-hmm. like a medical designation around yes. sex when you're born, right? Correct. Masculinity is basically, you know, kind of what a society defines as mm-hmm. what that means and how that's expressed and all that. So that's right. a social construct. That's amazing. Right. That's how I got into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> social construct around me. Well, you know, this is this is this is what it's like to grow up as a uh, a little gay boy. Yeah, it's like there was this comic who used to do this routine. He goes, "I like to play with my dog in the park, and I throw the ball, and the dog comes back with the ball, and he's so happy, and he's rolling around, and he's he's panting, and he's jumping up and down. That's when I say, bad dog." <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, are and you I the dog? Like, are you the dog yes, in this scenario? I'm the dog in this scenario. <laughs> I feel like when I was most genuinely myself, when I was the freest, when I was a kid, when I was doing the things that I really loved and presenting in an authentic way, yeah. everyone would be like, no. Totally. <laughs> no. Yeah, they would shun and, you. Yeah, they would shun me. Right? They would shame me. So all of my... Um, all of my shame, all of my people pleasing, yes. all of my, oh, I got to be funny now. That's yeah. my currency in this situation to uh, make people like me. You know, that's yeah. where all of that came from. Fully. Yes, yes, yes. Because I mean, it's everybody around you. It's the world around us. It's the, so, right. the you know, the culture and everything around us that tells us like how to be. And anytime that we're not doing that, when we're not falling in line, when we're not acting as like a man should by, you know, mm. not crying and being strong and being mm-hmm. you know, purpose driven, all that stuff. That it just when uh, all those things take great strength, vulnerability yes. takes great strength. It be, does, but that's not what yeah. we've been taught, right? Maybe that's no. a little bit more of the narrative that's starting to circulate more and having more acceptance. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, really, when we were growing up, it was so much around not vulnerability, right? Right. Like, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, right? So it's just <laughs> like you had this is how this is what it means to be a man. But I remember I think, there was this, I remember okay, this, one. no, but like what you're talking about, about how you kind of get these messages about what's okay and what's not okay. There was actually mm-hmm. one time, a really great experience that I had that I'm really grateful for, grateful for looking back on now. I remember when I was a kid, I was probably about five years old and I have an older brother and an older sister. And one uh-huh. day they decided to dress me up, like actually put on like Lee press on nails Ooh, fun. and like makeup and like yeah. wrapped my head in a towel, put me in my mm-hmm. mom's robe and put me on my brother's shoulders. So I looked uh-huh. like a big woman. 
you know? Oh, and, we, and we went upstairs where my dad was sleeping. And so we went and we like tapped him on the shoulder and he woke up out of his nap and I go, hello, big boy. <laughs> and he lost his mind. Like he started cracking up so hard. Yeah. And yeah. it was just like really, it was hysterical to us. But like in uh -huh. that moment, it could have gone a very different way had he had yeah. a very different negative reaction to me. Like that would yeah. have really I would have been, I had the back. parent that it would have gone a wrong way. <laughs> And looking back on it now, he was doing that out of protection for me. You know, my perspective, sure. how I can forgive and move on is, is he really preserve, uh, perceived femininity as a weakness. Yes, of course. You know, that he didn't want me to be weak, but I've proven my strength so many times, times over. I mean, what Dondre talks about the book is a kind of a toxic masculinity that's right. obsessed with um, uh, a reputation yes. and how you present yourself. Yes. And, and being a man is more about character. Yes, yes. About yes, yes. what kind of man are you? How how are you of service to others? So a, a really good simile, really quick to the shorthand is it's the difference between Trump and Obama. What? How? What are we talking about here? Because Trump is masculine. He presents as, you know, he's gotcha. just concerned with reputation and yes, he's not it's accountable. All, it's all presentation. It's all image. It's all it's ego all about driven. Ego. Right. It's all ego driven. And totally. Obama was about like, how can we help people? How totally. can I be of service? Well, how and authenticity. I... How can I actually show up? How can I, you know, kind of do the best that I can, but knowing and how that can his I be intention. Accountable? Yeah, accountable. The intention was from heart, right? Like, how can I actually yeah. help impart change that's meaningful, helpful, impactful for everybody? Trump's just all about just wanting to, you know, kind of put out an image and make sure that he's got a title and that people Correct. care about him and that's it. Right. So yeah, I mean, when you're thinking about masculinity, that's what that is. It's all about presentation and how people perceive you and wanting to be accepted and not be rejected. And so that's mm. all that kind of garbage. I know. And like when I let go of that, when I let go of like, that's what makes a man, that's yeah. when I really started to grow into being a man because I think it's really about accountability. Yeah. I think being a man is about accountability. It's about like the people in your life. How much can they rely on you? Yeah. How good a friend can you be? How good a partner can I be? Husband can I be? How good a father yeah. can I be? You know, it's like how I show up for the people in my life. How do you think um, growing up gay actually helped you be a better man? Um, uh, it made me really compassionate. Yeah. It made me really, um, there are a lot of gay men who uh, kind of internalize the hurt and go out hurting other people. Yeah. That was never me. Totally. Um, I mean, I'm sure that I've said some shitty things yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> along the way, but I've never been somebody who was intentionally cruel. Yeah. I think that it made me really, um, uh, uh, sensitive to people who feel left out. Yes. Um, my mom, my mom would say, uh, we'd have parties at the house all the time when I was growing up and my mom would always find the shyest person, mm -hmm. person who was like, I don't want to be here. This is hard for me. And, uh, she'd take them into the kitchen and they'd be dicing stuff together. And by the Aww. end, this person would be like so open and talking and my mom's best friend and stuff. Like, I feel like that's who I am as a person. I'm always kind yes. of looking for who's having a hard time. Totally. You know, it's yeah. Like, yeah. It's like when you yeah. have the experience of being an underdog, uh, underdog yourself in some way, then it's like you have yeah. that kind of compassion and growing up being gay, it, it forces you to have to look inward and challenge mm -hmm. who you really are, like, you know, confront who you really are and be able to develop that hopefully and be authentic right. in that way. But otherwise, if maybe if like we didn't have that, we'd be more susceptible to just trying to like put on the mask of masculinity right. Right? and having to like demonstrate kind of who we thought we were supposed to be as opposed to who we are. Yeah. And the stakes are high, you yeah. know, as an outsider, when you come out, when you, when you defy what, what you were, the social construct, when you yes. defy the social construct and decide to be an authentic person that makes you uh, a brave yeah. In ways that you can't even imagine. And I was coming out in the 80s, 
you know, during the AIDS crisis and right, where yeah. I had a lot of friends who were dying and everything. And, and, uh, they met their illness with bravery and courage mm-hmm. and the, and the doctors and the volunteers that I was involved with the, uh, the, uh, fundraising that I was involved with. We, we saw people, it was like being in a war. Yeah. Do you know what no, I mean? Totally, and I think yeah. that really, those experiences forced me to be like, okay, let's get real when it comes down to life or death. Who are you in this scenario? Are you somebody who's running? Are you somebody who's freaking out? Are you somebody who's like, what do you need? What can I do? Do you feel, I mean, you're in a slightly, you're just like a, like a half step generation older than me. Right. So Um, do you feel, (laughs) do you feel like that there was a a different experience of being a gay man, let's say in like the eighties or so it is a nineties being a gay man where there was like more of this need for a kind of a hyper masculinity to like compensate or overcompensate or offset. You know, the hyper masculinity also came from like, I don't want to look sick. Totally. Yeah. You know, so it's like, um, you know, the the idea of what a gay man should look like from the 70s to the 80s changed. You know, yeah. in the 70s, it was like you wanted uh, facial hair and chest hair. Yeah, but even before that, masculine. even before I agree with you, I do think that's a part of it. But even before that, with like, you know, Tom of Finland and just these mm-hmm. kind of like hyper, hyper sexual mm-hmm. images of what it means mm-hmm. to be a man, like big muscles, like big yeah. crotch, you know, like all yeah. the hairy. And then all in the 80s, stuff. it was about being a young guy. It was about being looking young twinks. and healthy. And yeah, twinks. Twinkie, and twinkie. Having no chest hair and <laughs> that. And I think we're kind of circling back to like, um, all different kinds of Im- images because yeah. we worship masculinity in the in the gay community. That's we a huge fetish. Do, for us. but that's what I'm saying. It's a fe- it's not it's not just a fetish of just kind of like oh yeah no I really like that. It's oh yeah I'm really drawn and attracted to that because I have grown up believing that there's something inherently inadequate about who I am as a man yes. by being yeah. gay. Yeah. And so then yeah. it's this attempt to try and offset that, to overcome. We're operating out of that deficit. Yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I need daddy to love me. <laughs> or I need to be the daddy, right? Yeah. 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 Hey, big boy. <laughs> Did anybody take a picture of that wonderful moment? <laughs> I'm so excited about our guest today. I am too. I love this topic. Yeah, for us. <laughs> he's he's he's. Um, let's let's intro him. Let's yes. let's bring him into the room. Yes, so yes, yes. Let's get to talking. Yeah, enough of us. All right, everybody. Today we've got a great guest. He's a three-time Emmy and NAACP Image Award nominated actor. He's a social activist and a motivational speaker. He's the author of Male Versus Man, How to Honor Women, Teach Children, and Elevate Men to Change the World, and the proud father of two children with his wife, actress and director, Sally Richardson, who he's been with for over 23 years. Let's welcome Dondre. How are you? Hey, thank you. (laughs) Dondre, I feel like I've been growing up next to you forever because you were on the Cosby show. Yes. And that was my first sitcom. I lived in Brooklyn the same time as you. We know a lot of the same people. Um, Tatya Ali, who you worked with, I grew up with in New York, and uh, you just worked with my friend Ron Oliver and that Hallmark movie for Christmas. So it's like uh, I'm we're finally meeting face to face. Also, I'm a huge All My Children fan. Like, oh you have my no gosh. idea. All right, so we we're connected on a on a whole bunch of levels. <laughs> so many levels. Ron, I love that dude. Um, yeah. Instantly, we we joked with each other like we were old friends. Yeah, like, he loves like, you. He's bananas uh, about you. I love him. Yeah. I love him. We had the greatest time. The, well, anybody who wears uh, a tie, a suit, jacket, and shorts, 
<laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, let's go. He's an old-fashioned yeah. kind of like uh, from the yeah. '50s kind of director. Totally. He has a, totally. a, a sense of etiquette. I loved it, Andre. I love. <laughs> I, I'm so happy that you're here, uh, and I love that you've written this book on manhood, and that we're going to get to talk about some of these things a little bit more today. Because, like, honestly, historically, it's been so anti-masculine just to kind of even yes. be emotionally aware. So I love that you've yes. kind of been flipping the script on this and having the conversation, especially as a straight man, right? So, like, yes. we were just talking about masculinity. How do you describe what masculinity is? Well, it's not manhood. Mm-hmm. And that's what often we have been taught uh, in our society. Many of the things that uh, that most of us ha- have been taught as guys um, is that your masculinity or your sexuality was manhood. And it mm. isn't. In my book, I talk about how males look to be served while men look to be of service. Mm. So really your manhood is about your dedication to being a servant Yeah, mm-hmm. to yeah. those in your life, particularly the women and children in your life, because those are the mm-hmm. most, those are the ones that tend to be the most dependent upon what we have to offer. Mm-hmm. Right. So I always serve my, my brothers, whether they're my friends or my DNA brothers or whoever that is. But for the most part, the women and children in my life are often looking to me as a man to be a servant to them. <laughs> so how many people I sleep with or how much I can bench press has absolutely nothing to do with my manhood. Yeah. Right. Right. How do and you I think that's a, oh, oh, go ahead, yeah. go ahead, Matthew. <laughs> I was just going to say, because, you know, traditionally speaking, you know, and historically, you know, it was the man who was served, the woman who would be the servant. And so now you're talking about how you flip that, right. And how, as a man, like yes. really being a man is to be of service. How do you differentiate between like being of service in that way without it necessarily kind of taking on the traditional like female role? Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. yeah, yeah. Because you have a very independent wife. She's a film director. Yes. She's she's out of town. She's in Prague right now, and yes. uh, she's doing a movie. So she doesn't sound like the the traditional stay at home wife. Not at all. Well, so when I say serve, and so I serve my wife on a number of different levels. So mm-hmm. she actually just got back, but she was gone for five months. Oh, good Lord. So I have a 15-year-old daughter. I have an 11-year-old son. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is feeding them, tutoring them, mm-hmm. caring for them, mm-hmm. uh, giving them the messaging that they need to become better citizens every single yeah. day? Now, for the most part, many people would think that the, the traditional role of that would have been the woman, right? Mm-hmm. right? And to your point, my, my wife falls under a completely different category because she's out and she's doing her passions in life. My mm-hmm. job is to support her by taking care of all of the things that she otherwise would go nuts over feeling like, oh my gosh, are my children being cared for? Are the dogs being cared right. for? Is my home being cared for? What's my, what's my husband doing while I'm not in the country? Right. 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 So all of those things, my job in serving my wife is making sure that she doesn't have to worry about those, not that she's not worried, mm-hmm. but <laughs> making sure that she doesn't have evidence mm-hmm. for her to have to be worried. Yes. Right? Oh, so that's, that's, the a, way, that's a good way of looking at yeah. it. Yeah. Evidence. Absolute, there, there's absolutely no evidence that my wife yeah. needs to worry. Yeah. She's going to worry based on the fact that that's who she is, right? As a person. 
as uh, as a woman who's the uh, the nurt one of the 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 uh, the be- the greater nurturer of our home, mm-hmm. she's going to worry about those things. But she has absolutely no evidence whatsoever. Yeah, and you're modeling that behavior for your kids, which is like I I love that part of your book that kids kind of like if you say do this. It, it is not as an effective tool as demonstrating yes. the proper behavior. And, Absolutely. And we're, we, my husband and I, we adopted our kid. He was, um, he's a, a black kid. Uh, he was out of foster care. He came to live with us. And I was like, if I have to give this kid back, um, I'm going to jail. Like I, he was wow. our kid from the beginning. We fell in love with him. We raised him. Yes. And I feel like our fatherhood is really about kind of like um, supporting him to be his character. A big, yes. a big part of our fathering him is like, what kind of person are you going to be in this world? The world does not need need one more selfish person. And as a black man, we have a huge responsibility for him. We can give him everything, but the experience of what it's like to grow up in a black family. So when we talk to him, so we're surrounding him with black mentors and black aunts and black uncles who can talk to him directly about the experience of what it's like to be a black man in America. Because when we talk about it, we get the eye roll, like, how would you know? Right. And it takes the black mentors in his life to go, no. You do not have the luxury of wilding out. You do not have the luxury of it's unfair and it's messed up. But this is this is the 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 black support we have in our life with our kid. Those that kind of mentorship kind of bolsters <laughs> our job as parents. Yes, and it's, it's I couldn't do it without them. I it, it's so, a, it's, a, it's an integral part. So watch this. So what you're doing first of all. The, the 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 highest level of kudos to you and your husband for doing that because many people have it in their blind spot that children that are unlike them they think that well all I have to do is provide them with love right major component uh-huh right but now you're at a deficit because you don't understand the social construct of what it's like to be a black man in this mm-hmm. society and, and, and all of the things that that comes with. Yeah. Right. And so now your son has, uh, is uh, deficient in that area. So when we're deficient, what, what do we do? We, we go grab supplements mm-hmm. right? in mm-hmm. order for us to have the proper nutrients that we need. Mm. So the people that you put in front of your son responsibly as fathers, Right. Are the nutrients that that he's going to need that you can't provide him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and it it takes uh, an extremely empathetic, understanding and loving human being in order to to, to know. Look, I'll give you a perfect example. My daughter is 15 years old. Got it. Can I teach her how to be a woman? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you call the gays. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell her to call me. I'll teach Matthew. her all about being a woman. <laughs> so, so I can't teach my daughter how to be a woman. Why? Because I'm not one. Right. I can't teach her how to be something I'm not. Yeah. You can't teach your son how to be something you're not. Yeah. Right. I can teach and him to be a good person. I can teach, exactly teach him right. to be ethical. That's I can teach right. him that, but I can't teach him how to be I black. can't I can't pass on my experience as a black man. Right. There so it is. that's yes. why it's really important. Like where he's there heading towards a he's on track to go to an HBCU. 
because we it. want him to have like, you know, as queer people, we know what it's like to kind of be in a straight bar or be it with fam our families, be surrounded by straight people all the time. And then when yes. you go to a gay space, you're yeah. like, oh. yeah. Uh, and with yes, my totally. son, like yes. I've seen the difference in him, like in the summertime, well, when we were able to go out, um, we had uh, with his black mentors, he has these thing called blacktivities, where it's like go for the day and with your black mentor and be in a black space. And he would go awesome. to Englewood and it would just be like, yes. oh, yeah, I'm not yes. the only black person yeah. in my white space. Black I'm not, yeah. yeah. See, what's great about what you're able to, um, and, and this is the way that I relate to my friends who happen to be gay. I hate like mm -hmm. my gay friends. Right, now, they're just my friends who happen to be gay. Mm -hmm. Just like I have friends who happen to be white. Mm -hmm. I have friends who happen to be Asian, right? Mm -hmm. I don't choose friends because of color. I choose friends because of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So does our consciousness align, right? If our consciousness aligns with one another, then we're gonna be friends forever. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? That means that you want the same things for your family that I want for my family. Yeah. Yes. Right? We want equality and justice for all of our people yeah. and that we want to be able to be loving and compassionate human beings mm -hmm. to all of our brothers and sisters. Now watch this. There is only, I don't even play the race game because there is no uh, other races. There's only one, like my sister Jane Elliott says, there's one race, there's the human race. We come in many colors, but we come in one race. Mm -hmm. Now, Every single one of us are brothers and sisters. We may not be acting like that towards one another, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that we aren't. Right. So I'll give you an example. You have people in your family that share your DNA that you sometimes question whether they're actually your family or not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How can I be related yeah. to you? <laughs> How is this person? Are you uh -huh. kidding? Right? Yeah. right. But that's still your, those are your people. Right. That's your family. Yeah. Now, yeah. you may not like the way that they perform. You may not like the way that they act. You may not like their consciousness. Mm -hmm. But those are your people. Mm -hmm. And to that point, in our society, we are one race. Those are all our brothers and sisters. Yeah. We don't like the way all of our brothers and sisters are acting right now. But right. they are still, nonetheless, our brothers and sisters. The contribution that you give to your son is having the consciousness of what it's like to be a gay man and how society vilifies me based on my sexuality, mm -hmm. right? And how mm -hmm. I now am treated differently just based on my sexuality. So now yeah. what you can offer your son is the traumatic experience of being a human being that gets vilified that gets yeah. demonized. Oh, no, he's already getting based it. On that. I mean, from the time he was in kindergarten, he was disciplined differently, you know, yeah. than other other kids. And he's, you know, in our neighborhood, as a little, little kid, he was the cute kid that everybody, all the store owners knew. And now he presents as much older than he is. And so he moves in the world a different way. You yeah. know, he's, he's regarded differently. As a, as but, a what Don, but what Andre is saying is that you you have the opportunity to be able to model to him what it's like to give him the experience of being yes. marginalized. You can't do yes, that. Yes, as a, you can't do that as a black person, but you can do that as a marginalized yes. person. Andre, yeah. I'm curious yes. because like if you had a would you what would be the advice that you would then give to um, other families, let's say, who have then gay children? Would it be the same advice yes. about making sure that you're outsourcing to have gay role models then in ways that you wouldn't be able to offer that kind of perspective? So I often talk to uh, my great friend, um, 
Hassani Pettiford, who lives in uh, Atlanta. We often talk about a this. Great name. I, I love it. He's a like just such a, a, a beautiful human being. We always talk about how isolation breeds contempt. Mm -hmm. I mean, excuse mm -hmm. me, uh, isolation breeds ignorance, mm -hmm. which breeds contempt. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That yeah. contempt yeah. and that ignorance breeds fear. Yes. That mm -hmm. fear breeds racism, sexism, defense, all the yeah. isms. Right. Yep. Right. My job as a human being is to go out and have the experience. So my uncle-in-law, my mm -hmm. wife's uncle, is a proud gay black man. Yeah. Right? I often have conversations with him about what that is. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I need to be educated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why? So that when I have a conversation with one of my uh, brothers who happens to be gay, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm going to have the same uh, understanding, but I can have an awareness yeah. that allows me to be able to have a conversation empathy. with my brother, Alec. Exactly. Yeah. My brother, it gives Alec, you empathy. my brother, uh, Matthew, right? Mm -hmm. So that I don't have the, con I have a Tesla, right? The reason why I love that car is There's because- There's a flex. Because- Sorry. Yeah. So, oh, hey. Come on, come on. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Dad. Tell us about your Tesla. <laughs> there, are, there are cameras all around this car. Yeah. And the, the reason why I love that car is because it takes the blind spots out of my experience of driving. Mm -hmm. ah. So everything that I can't see, the car is showing me right. on the dash. Uh-huh. As a straight man, what I can't see in being a gay man, mm -hmm. I get in having conversations with my friends who happen to yeah. be gay. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it's the, so the blind spots get into, uh, yes. taken care of. Yes, so that I don't go into a conversation with my brother Alec or my brother Matthew and have a blind spot in this conversation and say, whoa, Dondre, that actually was something that you probably shouldn't have said to me. Mm -hmm. I know, but right. that's what we're all dealing with as a nation right now. I feel like everybody yes. has these huge blind spots, you know, and it, yes. it's taken, it's taken like a, a yeah. snuff film of George Floyd yes. to people go, oh, that could be a problem. And I, then guess, have to confront I guess that. I finally know what you're talking yes. about. And, yeah. and then to have and then to have people who do have those blind spots go, well, you know, he should have complied better. Right. Oh, yeah. What yes. was he doing that got him in trouble? Dondre, you were like um, – some people would view you uh, as controversial for taking these, for bridging the gap between the black community. Trust me, I've and, and, a, a and the gay black community. Um, yes. my um, my in-laws are very religious. They are they go to Bible study every Wednesday night. And um, so when we first met each other, I was like, oh, but they are the most. They're the people who adopt everybody. Like, yeah. right. my husband's house was the house where every all the kids played where he right. grew up. Um, they they accept we we were laughing within the first five minutes and they're like, they're so in our life. They're in our son's life. And if I hadn't, if I'd come into it, like, okay, you're religious. I'm going to shut it down. We would have really missed out on each other. Mm. Yes. And I, I think that it's, so when you say you've caught kind of flack for it, what kind of flack did you catch and what's it going to take to really bridge those gaps in that community? Well, first of all, let's talk about uh, the kind, uh, the kind of flack that I got, in being a straight man and dedicating a uh, basically a chapter in my book about the fact that we need to get rid of this notion that 
somehow gay men are not men basically due to their sexuality. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that I caught a lot of flack from, of course, our heterosexual men yeah. uh, who feel like we have the market cornered on manhood based huh. on our heterosexualism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and I literally uh, began to break all of that down. And I listen, as a man, as a man of integrity, I only deal in truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you can present truth to me that debunks my position, right? I am not in the business of fighting to be right. I'm fighting to do what's righteous. Yes. Mm. Okay. So I am a spiritual man. I'm not a religious man. Yeah. I'm a spiritual man. There's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have studied the Bible. Many of the things that I get and the things that the notions that I subscribe to come out of the Bible. But then there are some other things that are in the Bible that I go, well, well, that attacks a great portion of my of uh, of my society and a great portion of my brothers and sisters. My job as a man is not to as a spiritual man is not to judge anyone. Hmm. My job is to assess them. Yeah. And what I'm assessing is their consciousness. If your consciousness is in alignment with mine, we can do this. If not, I got to humbly push you to the side and keep moving. Because that I already know tells us that we we are headed for trouble because you are unwilling to have a conversation with me Mm -hmm. based on the differences Mm -hmm. of my opinion you know because very uh we've got a segment of our society very dogmatic Mm -hmm. and they're unwilling to have a conversation with you about your experiences and that they could be different and that they should be honored yes as a spiritual man i'm not in the business of doing that yeah, that's an elevated perspective for you, right? Because you are not yes. caught up in your own, in your own, then the dogma doctrine, your own ego. Yeah. You're actually trying no. to find the truth and like the love and be able to do that. So you have the ability to see that. There's also a lot of people that don't, right? And so, like what you were yes. talking about, especially, it kind of sounds like, especially kind of like in the black community for straight men. You yes. know, I've kind of wondered, there seems to to me like that there's actually a lot of similarities between um, kind of like gay men and even straight kind of black men too, because of just like the history of being emasculated, that there's yes. almost this need to have to yes. overperform. And then when you're yes. seeing that, when you're seeing that around you, anytime that anything kind of shies away from them, really what hyper masculinity or toxic masculinity looks like, you have to shut yep. that down because it reflects a part of shame even within yourself. Totally. And I, you know, to your point, this is one of the reasons. So first of all, um, when I talked about isolation, breeding, ignorance, ignorance, right. When I was a kid, we had a couple of families um, in our neighborhood that it felt like every sibling, and I don't know how this happens, but every sibling in that family was gay. Yeah. Hmm. So they did it right. They got it good. That's a family. Yeah. It's nature nature limiting the population. Mother Nature knows what it's doing. So so the boys were gay, (laughs) the girls were were lesbian, right? And so I never grew up with the experience of looking at um and this is pre-LGBTQ plus, of course, mm-hmm. at that time, just gay or, you know, uh, gay or straight or, or lesbian or, or, or straight. Yeah. I never grew up with that. Mm-hmm. Right. 
as a kid, I was only educated that like there were black and brown people or or white and uh, Asian people, or I was also taught that there were gay and straight people. Mm-hmm. There Got were it. lesbian and straight people. And, and that was it. So I was never taught like, stay away from him. Yeah. He's gay. Yeah. Stay away from yeah. her. She's a lesbian. Who, who, who do we have to thank for that? Your mother? I, you know what? My mother, my grandmother, mm-hmm. um, my father, um, who ironically was in and out of uh, jail, for most yeah, I read that in your book. He was yeah. like, a, he was, yeah. Yeah, he, he was like, he was in the Star Trek kind of, like, yeah. like yeah. literally, in like, sometimes there, and sometimes not. But even him, he didn't grow up like that either. And because we were such a close-knit community, yeah. no one ever bashed them for being gay. We had a white family in our neighborhood. Right. And we never bashed them for being white. As a matter of fact, sometimes they had like, if you ever called the, the eldest son mm-hmm. a white boy, like you had a problem on your hands. Mm-hmm. Like, so <laughs> we, like, cause he wasn't going for that. Yeah. Like, he was like, who's the white boy? Who you call him white? Like, so, like, literally, like our community was like so close knit that if you dared, uh, messed with anybody, yeah. whether they were gay or straight, black or white, uh, Latino or otherwise, like you had a problem on your hands. So I never, my global view of people was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I walk into a room and instantly, like I'll give you an example. I hug my, uh, any brother that I know, mm-hmm. like when mm-hmm. I first meet you, Hey brother, how right. you doing? Shake your hand, pull you in for a hug. Yeah. Yeah. I don't is it the go, bro hug? Is it the man hug with shoulder know, to shoulder? Yes, is, no, is, no, is, no, no, I don't know. No, I don't. You know what? It's interesting that you said that, Alex. Yeah. Because I finally realized one day as I was mentoring a, a group of uh, young black males. Mm-hmm. And I said, stand up. I had two of them stand up. And I said, greet, greet your brother. Greet your brother. And I said, does your brother have something that you don't want? <laughs> and they sat there and they said, no, I was like, so what's with the, like, are you blocking for the giants? Yeah. The, what's going on? What oh, is yeah. this? What's, what's going on what's this? About? Yeah. I said, come here for a second. <laughs> I grabbed him by the shoulder and I said, Hey, listen to me. I, I love you. Uh-huh. I want the best for you. I want the best for your life. Come here. And I grabbed him and heart to heart, mm-hmm. like we, we hugged. Yeah. And it was very uncomfortable for him. Yeah. I was and, about I to ask. Him, and I wouldn't let him move. So was he like, said, did he there, go rigid? Like, like what's so happening he here? Went, he was dead. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. Went, he went full dead, right? Yeah. So I said, relax, be present with me. I said, I want you to know that it's okay for you to receive love from your brother. Yeah. Oh. And as I said that, you could feel his body, the like life come back into his body. Mm-hmm. He began to relax. I felt a pulse again. Uh. And then as uh, as an experiment, I had every single one of them greet, greet each other that way. And they spoke to each other. And as we wrapped uh. up, I waited to see what was going to happen. Yeah. 
and nobody did the shoulder anymore. Uh, Everybody did the full on hug. And so I do that. I don't ask any of my brothers, hey, wait a second. Yeah. Are you gay or are you straight? Yeah, you yeah. just go in for the universal hug. No, bro. No. Wait, Dondre, I, I have that. to Dondre, I have to ask this question because I feel yes. very secure in my masculinity, so much so yeah. that me and like my other guy friends, my gay guy friends, we can like cuddle, play with each other's hair, we kiss each other, <laughs> we kiss each other on the cheek, we hug tight, we can slow dance. And I feel like right. that is actually one of the highest levels of masculinity. It's like, I could do that and I'm such a man. Do you that, see right. a version of that happening for straight men? I don't know if straight men are ready for that. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I can, I can address like, I this because I have a 15 year old. Yeah. I have a 15 year old and you have a 15 year old. We yes. both have 15 year olds. Yes. And their, their generation is so like not caught up in the same stuff that we were caught up in. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. there's different things that they're going through right they, now, which they, we, ha- we still have to walk them through as parents. This Because the whole internet her. thing is bullshit. You know, totally. that Instagram and all that stuff, they're having to deal with public personas yeah. of themselves as yeah. as yes. opposed to authentically who they are. Yep. But they're, yes. they're, they have a bigger worldview. You talked about growing up with a bigger worldview and parents who encourage the bigger worldview. And right, right now... The, the worldview for, for people in their teens is bigger, mm-hmm. is more right. expansive, yes. is more inclusive. Yep. I mean, I can only speak to like the father of a teenager in Los Angeles. Yeah. Do you know, so, and that's its own bubble. So I, so this speaks to, this is one of the reasons why racism is dying mm. in that generation. Cause this generation right now, they're done. They're done with all the constructs. They're done with that's why there's like the fluidity. That's why yeah. there's a, like, they don't get down with racism. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to die with this generation for sure. Cause they're oh, not so. interested in putting, yeah, I'm telling you right now, they're not interested. They're not down with labels. Mm-hmm. They're not down with labels. But one of the things that I wanted to speak to, which kind of gets back to what uh, Matthew was saying, um, like you're not going to cuddle a, with Matthew. It's not happening. <laughs> I won't allow it. I, I, Please. Now, while, while I won't cuddle with Matt. Now watch this. Let me speak. <laughs> let me speak to this. Cause this doesn't have anything to do with me being gay or straight. Uh-huh. When I was, uh, when I was raised, I was raised as a black man. I was raised that my head was my crown. Mm. So one day my son uh, who's 11, he was just playing around and, uh, and, and he, uh, and he hit me in, in the head mm. and like everything, like there was no record playing, but you could hear the record. Everything in the house stopped. My wife looked up. She was like reading a script. She looked up, she's like, Oh, <laughs> everybody everybody looked around like it's about to be something and, and, and i looked and i looked at my son and my eyes turned green like i was bill bixby mm-hmm. like about to like become the hulk mm-hmm. and and like and my son was like well well just have and i realized i hadn't had to talk with my son about the head and the crown right yeah. right right and i said son as long as you are alive don't ever Hit a man in the head. Hmm. Don't touch his head. Don't do it. Mm. I said, now for your father, this may be the last, this is your last time. The, ne- <laughs> yeah. the next time you're going to lose a limb. Uh. So don't ever let anybody mess with your head. 
And it goes back to so many of the things that we went through as a people in what, uh, you know, in holding your head down, right, having right, to right. make yourself small, mm-hmm. right, having your head up. As a survival mechanism as a in survival order to get through this day. Right? Yeah. And literally we had this great conversation and it was so interesting because I realized that my brothers who happen to be white, they have a completely different experience because mm. their traumas were not the same. Yeah. They're not the same. They weren't told to p- keep their head down and not totally. make eye contact. Yeah. And, totally. Yeah. Right. And, and so it, it, it was, and that as a people, when you did put your head down and for the person who owned you to celebrate you, they, 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 t- they patted you on the head. Mm. Like, like you would do a, a pet. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. and so now for a black man, for you to touch his head yeah. is like demeaning. It's so demeaning. Right. Mm. But now watch this, the isolation in having a conversation with your b- brother who happens to be black as a, mm. as a, as a, as a brother who happens to be white, you would never gain that understanding. Right. Right. And so now mm. you go, wow, I now understand why I can't touch the head of my brother who happens to be black yeah. because that speaks to something that I don't have any idea about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that I didn't know that his, until just now. So I'm trauma. learning this right See now. That? Yeah. Look, at, look, look, look. It was the same, so- it was the same, it was the same thing back. Uh, like one of my best friends is black. And when we were like, I don't know, 20 yes. years old or whatever, that's when I first mm-hmm. learned that you don't call a black guy, a boy like that. Yes. I didn't know that. I just oh, didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Right. Same thing. But it's the same, same thing. thing. Yes, yeah. indeed. Like, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I remember I was doing uh, my sh- uh, uh, show I was on for years called uh, Queen Sugar. And mm-hmm. we were doing the scene Oprah. and we had a, uh, a, a, a director. She, my sister just happened to be white. And so she's sitting there. And, and so I'm across from my leading woman who happens to be another black woman. And right. she says, um, OK, so Dondre, you're going to sit here. And Dawn, you're gonna be sitting here. And so, and I said, Whoa, I, I I can't sit here. And she said, Why not? I said, because the, the the door is back there. Uh-huh. I and can't have said, a I can't sit with my back to the door. She said, What what, what do you mean? I said, We we don't we don't sit with our, we do that. With our back to the door. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, is, is that a thing? And the entire set was like, uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Little cultural yeah. lesson. Yep. This has been such a great conversation. Yeah. I really want to have you back. Please. It's really Part terrific. Two. Tell people about your book again, the title of your book, the full title and where to get it. Uh, Male versus man, how to honor women, teach children to elevate men to change the world. Um, you can find it anywhere that you get books, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, um, anywhere. Um, but this book is so important, not just for um, males who are looking to matriculate into manhood, mm-hmm. but for men who are looking to elevate their walk as men. Yes. But just as importantly, it's uh, it it is extremely important to our women as well because what it does is. It teaches, for the straight ones, of course, Mm -hmm. it teaches women what they should be looking for Hmm. in a man. 
and that mm-hmm. there is a difference between being with a male and being with a man. Yeah. And of a course, man. for our gay uh, brothers that you could be a gay uh, uh, male and not necessarily a gay man. Yeah. Huge difference. Yep. Agree. All right. So um, you have, uh, uh, we can find you on your socials. You have that, you have a YouTube channel where people yes. can listen to your talks. Yes. And the digital series is, is called, uh, uh, is likewise uh, entitled uh, Male Versus Man uh, uh-huh. on YouTube. Um, I've had talks with everyone from uh, Will Smith to uh, Kevin Hart, D.L. Hughley, uh, you know, Boris Kojo, um, D- uh, Javon Franklin comes up uh, on Friday. Um, and um, uh, and uh, my Instagram is at all Dondre, D-O-N-D-R-E. And Facebook and Twitter is at Dondre Whitfield. Great. So we always end the show with our guests. Thank you so much for being here. First of all, taking the time out of your busy day, Mm -hmm. taking care of your kids and all of that. So we always have a, um, I feel like this whole show has been a hot message, but if you have one message to leave our viewers, uh, our listeners with today, what would that be? Um, To know that uh, every man is going to be measured uh, based on his dedication to being a servant. Uh, Mm. And that at the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference how much you bench press, it doesn't make a difference how many mm-hmm. people you've slept with. Uh, at the end of the day, the most important, I was asked once uh, in an uh, interview in a magazine, they said, what's the greatest role you've ever played? And I said, the role of a man. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, everything starts with that. Bill Cosby, when you say the name Bill Cosby, despite the fact that he's one of the most talented performers to, to ever uh, do it, Despite the fact that he had, you know, one of the most watched shows in television his- history, Damn. despite the fact that he was the one of the greatest philanthropists this world has ever seen, mm-hmm. when you say the name Bill Cosby now, you're going to think of the unfortunate incidents yeah. with those yeah. women, yep. and yeah. that speaks to not playing your role as a man well. And yeah. at the end yeah. of the day, that's what we're going to be measured. Against. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely. I can't even eat gel jello pudding anymore. I can't go near it. <laughs> no more pudding tainted. pops. No more pudding uh, pops. Thank you, Dondre Whitfield. Everybody thank you so much. Well, that was he was amazing. Yes, it was amazing. Uh, was, I love that conversation. Amazing. Yep. I mean, he's just like, um, like he's like a new role model. We talked about blind spots. Yeah. I think that's my hot message for today. What is it? Is, is, is look out for your blind spots. What are your blind spots? Really ask yourself, what am I not seeing? Yeah. What do I need to do homework on? Yeah. I think my, you know, it, who are, good. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I think, I think my hot message of the day, one of my favorite quotes is actually, it's okay to not be okay. And I think that's mm. especially important for us as men, where we've been raised to believe that we shouldn't, be having feelings. We should be emotionless. We should be stoic and strong. And so it's right. important to recognize we are going to have feelings and we're also going to have really vulnerable ones. Let us mm-hmm. you know, let yourself have it. And vulnerability, vulnerability is a hot mess. Is a hot mess. <laughs> it's a hot mess. It's a hot, hot, it's a hot mess. mess. But there's so much on the other side of that. Yes. Matthew, wh- where can we find you on the social medias? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MJ Dempsey Psych and on Facebook, Matthew J. Dempsey Psychotherapy. And our show has joined social media. You can find out all about the show at The Hot Mess Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. You can find me at Alec Mappa on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
We're so grateful that you tuned into the show. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much.